Good morning and welcome to the program. It is a Thursday. Great to have you company. The fourth day of February 2021. Give me a call. Let me know what's on your mind. 13 12 69 is our telephone number. We have all the news. We just need your views. If you want to send me a text, you can do that. Uh, the text line 0458 049 209. And if you would like to send an email to the program, MP in the morning at 2SM supernetwork.com. Okay, eight minutes after five. Good morning to you on a Thursday as we well and truly get into things for 2021. I'd love to hear from you this morning, 13, 12, 69. Look, even if you've never called before, why don't you make today the day you do? There's plenty to talk about. Uh, maybe you'd like to talk about COVID. Uh, we're hoping next week that we may well see some easing of restrictions, further easing of restrictions in New South Wales, as we again yesterday recorded another day of no local transmissions. I can't say the same, though, for our friends down in Victoria. Tough new restrictions have been put in place in Victoria after a hotel worker became infected with COVID-19. This is after the state had recorded 28 days of zero community transmission. That's prior to that. Masks will again be mandatory indoors. In Victoria, the caps on household gatherings will be cut to 15 and the return to work set down for next weekend will be reviewed. (laughs) And yet the Australian Open, they had to go ahead with it, didn't they? Probably shouldn't have. Anyway, apparently that's all in uh, a mess as well because of this one new case. I don't know, is it a... Bit of an overreach again by the Victorian government, by Dan Andrews. I mean, that's part of the reason why uh, his government was so heavily criticised, rightly or wrongly, last year for closing down the economy. Anyway, if you want to have your say on that, 131269 is the telephone number. By the way, today is Safer Internet Day. A new research out today for Safer Internet Day reveals the nation's small businesses are facing significant online security challenges. This new research has found that 84% of Australian small businesses have adopted online services and rely on up to 30 separate technologies, leaving them, this is the kicker, potentially exposed to a number of fronts. It comes off the back of data revealing two in five small business owners have experienced a cyber security incident. You've got to be so careful. You really need to be very, very careful. 13 12 69, the telephone number. A little later on the program, Anthony Albanese is on the show this morning as our main guest just after 7.30. Now, yesterday, of course, right when we were about to knock off, We brought you that, uh, I don't want to say face-off. I guess it was a bit of a face-off. There was a bit of finger-pointing. Tanya Plibersek had a little bit of a chuckle and a laugh at it. And then, of course, we know as the morning progressed, we had the Prime Minister rebuke somewhat Craig Kelly. Anyway, some are suggesting that perhaps this incident yesterday between Tanya and Craig might have been a, a bit of a... I don't know, a setup 
I don't, I don't agree with that. But some say that it was perhaps a, a bit of a, uh, I don't know, a warm-up for Tanya Plibersek. Of course, she is one of the front-runners, if you like. I mean, it's a, la- a last-chance saloon, I guess, for Tanya. She's one of the most senior Labor figures on the federal front, and maybe uh, this was a bit of a dress rehearsal for Tanya. I mean, look, if Albo takes Labor to the, elect- uh, the election and loses, well, then I can't see them going back to people like Tanya Plibersek or others. And that's where Jim Chalmers who's, I guess, waiting in the wings, will step up to lead federal Labor. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, some of the critics, some of those on Sky who are making, you know, a real feast out of all this so-called Labor leader tension, are saying that Plibersek is the front runner. And yesterday, her stocks would have gone up after the confrontation with Paul Kelly. Anyway, there's a few questions to ask Anthony Albanese this morning when he's on the program. Senator Malcolm Roberts coming up as well. And all your calls on 13 12 69. All right, uh, Judith, good morning. How are you? Oh, Judith, hold on. You've got to hold on. I mean, we want to speak to you, but, <laughs> you know, it can't be, like, straight away. Monty, hello, mate. How are you? Monty, up at 2NZ. Yeah. Happy New Year, Marcus. How are you, mate? I'm all right, thank you, my friend. Happy New Year to you as well. Uh, you're back uh, on breakfast. How long have you been back on breakfast for? Oh, uh, oh nearly a month. Wow. Okay, nearly so you, you were straight back into it. Oh, no, no. Next week's a month, so three weeks. Here you go. There we go. All right, mate. <laughs> what do you know? Mate, uh, about your cyber security, mm-hmm. um, what you were talking about there, mate, I got hacked last week. Yeah. And uh, it was a nightmare. Like last Thursday, they got in through my Facebook, right? Um, and my my Facebook got hacked so much so that they actually put on um, a second level of security. The hacker actually put on a second level of security for me to try and get in. I had to send my license, a picture of my license, to Facebook four times before they unblocked it. Really? Um, they got in through my Instagram. There was websites galore. They got into my email. Mate, it was it was a nightmare. It was one of the most stressful weekends I think I've ever gone through. Really? Uh, yeah. Well, look, I'd be concerned about my you know my personal security, etc. Um, absolutely, I understand what you're saying, mate. Mm. Yeah, it's it, it's just incredible, and it, it was as, as simple as I got a notification on my Facebook yeah. that uh, somebody, I, uh, a friend request had been accepted, and I looked and I thought I don't remember sending any friend requests, so I mm. actually looked at that. And it came up and said, there's no internet access. I'm like, well, that's not true because I'm on my home Wi-Fi. Yeah. And that was how they got in. And uh, within within minutes, they changed the phone number, my email, uh, took off all my personal details off the, fa- the Facebook. So it was almost impossible for me to be able to uh, recover the email, uh, my password. Goodness me. Uh, and then uh, they put on, like I said, this second step of... Uh, security on there yeah. that that meant that I even when I tried to log back in because it wasn't uh, I didn't have the uh, security number to be able to get in through the website. Yep. Uh, it uh, it had I had to send off a whole heap of other stuff. It was an absolute nightmare. So and you had then, to prove basically uh, to Facebook who you were all over well, again. Yeah. 
Absolutely, Not all over me. again. And then, then to find out with my email, yeah. uh, the only reason I found out with my email is I just happened to click on the trash uh, part of my email and saw all these uh, password reset authorizations oh, in see? the trash thing that had been opened and, and yeah. checked. Then I had to go through all that again. Oh, I, got my, I got my partner to actually turn off the computer at home yep. um, because I was at work when I discovered all this. Uh, my partner to turn off the computer at home, and then that stopped it. And I've and they've left me alone now. Good, it good. Took up I mean, Tuesday. You've got to change your passwords and change them often, often, and make them as hard as you possibly can. Don't use easy passwords. Yeah, and don't do capital letters, lowercase letters, yeah. numbers, but also use the symbols. Like, well, use yeah. symbols on there. So, you know, True. pluses and, and underscores. And Look, not only is it a, a pain, it, it's you feel violated. It's a, a violation oh. of your personal space, if you like it. It's not a good feeling at all. No. All right, mate. Look, I'm sorry that happened to you. Oh, look, these things happen. It's all sorted now. Um, and uh, it, it, it was an excuse to have uh, uh, an extra beer on, on Tuesday night. Let's put it that way. Hang on. You need an excuse to have an extra beer on Tuesday no, night? No, no, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. Good on you, mate. We'll talk soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, mate. Bye. All right, there he is. Monty, good morning to our listeners at 2NZ on the Super Radio Network. And Monty, of course, back with the breakfast show up there after six this morning. Uh, look, I think we had an issue with Judith's phone dropping out. She's back now. Hello, Judith. Yes, I'm here. Oh, it's a small battery now. It's okay, darling. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to talk about, do you know about the... Um, the Sydney Metro Railway? Yes, and I know the issue that's going on out there at Orchard Hills with a number of property owners very distressed. That's correct, and it's disgusting. Now, I look at it this way. Mm. You know, whenever something like this, there's always someone behind it, okay? Yeah. Now, you've got this woman. I, I won't mention her name, but she's the Deputy Chief Executive, right? Of... Of the Sydney Metro Railway scheme right. coming up, right? Now, who is it that's behind her putting her up to, you know, go for this thing to put these people out of their land so that they yeah. can put this little bit of railway? Who are the people behind it? Is it the Chinese? Is it someone else? You know what I'm saying? Is always someone behind it? Uh, well, sort of, what, yeah. I hold on just a minute. That's <laughs> what... On, it's not the Chinese, are... come on. It's not the no. Chinese. The problem is, let me explain to people who... Because uh, who, we're going right around the country at the moment. Uh, what's happened is the, the railway line that's going to run from Badgerys Creek Airport, the new Western Sydney Airport, uh, through to uh, the Penrith region via Orchard Hills is being built. Now... On, on other uh, railway stations, the government's acquired a certain amount of land, just a couple of hectares. But at Orchard Hills, for some reason, they wanted to acquire a couple of hundred hectares. So I'll, just get, I'll get the exact figure soon. And what mm. they're going to do, basically, is displace people out of their uh, farmland, because a lot of it's farmland there, and, and yes. not give them adequate compensation. These are older people, some of them, who've been there forever, Judith, as you know, they don't want well, to be... They have no rights to be doing that to them. Well, why does the government need so much land out there? I understand. That's what I'm saying. Yes, There's I understand. someone behind it pushing for 
this thing to happen. Who is doing it? That's what you've got to dig out, get them out in the open. Well, true. What we'll do today is I'm going to try and track down the local Liberal member uh, out yes. there at Penrith and get her on. Uh, because she's gone against the grain. Uh, to her credit, she is speaking out against the government on this, and we'll we'll dig in. We will find some details, Judith, but I don't understand why the government needs so much land out there at Orchard Hills, where nearby, when they're acquiring other land for different um, terminals, if you like, or train stations on the Metro line, they require just a fraction of that amount of land. I don't get it. Anyway, if you want to have your say, 13 12 69, the telephone number. Mark is Paul in the morning. Let's take a break at 20 minutes after 5. Genuine talk on the radio. This is Marcus Paul in the morning. Craig Kelly interrupting Tanya Plibersek. Got a taxpayer-funded nong running around telling people not to. <laughs> he needs to shut up. You hear about Professor Clancy? You've got to listen to our, oh, oh, most, oh, oh, our, most, oh, senior, our most senior immunologist. <laughs> what? And the word of the day is nong. Oh, I love that. I love that. Nong. This guy's a government MP. You have to be held to a higher standard if you're going to sit in the government party room. has to take responsibility for the words that come out of his mouth when they're this far off the reservation that's actually doing harm. We're bringing you all the news and the views. A lawyer faces being disbarred for life after he was caught having sex during a virtual court hearing being held on Zoom. <laughs> ah, I mean, I've heard of pro bono, but never before have I heard of pro bono. Marcus Paul in the morning. Ah, yes. Great to have you company. Good morning to you. It's Thursday already. Surprise, surprise. St George Illawarra don't want Israel Folau to play for them anymore. Who will pick him up? Should he play? I think he should. Give us a call. 13 12 69 is the telephone number. Marcus Paul in the morning. Great to have you company. So I thought, I'll play some 80 songs that maybe you haven't heard for a while. I mean, I could play Africa and all the usual Fleetwood backs, all the rest of it, which we will, but, you know, I like uh, surprising people with some of my music. And I hope it uh, uh, brought back a few memories from some... Look, I know you don't know it's scruff. I know, you're, you're too young. Uh, but a lot of the, uh, the you know, people of, you know, in their 50s plus travelling to work this morning would go, oh, I remember that. I hope. <laughs> Hello, Frank. How are you, mate? Oh, not too bad, Marcus. Not too bad. So we've uh, christened him Nong, have we? Uh, well, I don't know. I think Tanya christened him Nong. We just had a bit of fun with it because that's what we do. Yeah, well, look, I, I just think... I, I, I think he's a bit of a bullfed. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no doubt about it. Um, look... A right-wing conservative, yep. and I think that, I'm serious about this. I think the, the, they are the most damaging animal on the planet. What is a right-wing um, conservative? Yeah, right-wing what? conservative and right-wing conservative big business. Look, we, <laughs> we had we, we had the yeah. Well, Marcus, we had the global financial collapse, right? Yep. So this is right-wing big business lending money to people, you know, to buy homes who, who they knew could not afford 
to pay back. What we'll do, Frank, I'm uh, I'm about to bump into the news. If you're happy to hold on, I want to get some more of, uh, of this from you. This is wonderful. Mate, just hang on there, Frank. I'm, I don't mean to be rude, buddy, but I do need to go to the news. So just put him back there, scruff, and see if Frank will hang on um, so we can continue bashing up right-wing nutjobs. That sounds good to me. Genuine talk on the radio. Marcus Paul in the morning. Who are the biggest donors or bribers of our politicians, Michael? Well, Clive Palmer, as you know, he gave himself that $10 million. He gave his own party. So he is the biggest. <laughs> and it was to himself. Now, how this can be regarded as a tax deductible donation <laughs> is anybody's guess. But Only in Australia. Marcus, Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back to the program. Great to have your company. 25 minutes away from six, away from five for our Queensland stations. Now, the photograph of Labor's Tanya Plibersek yesterday taking down raving coronavirus disinformationist and Liberal MP for Hughes, Craig Kelly... Uh, it's a great photograph. I'll put it up on our Facebook page. It's all over the paper today, in particular the Sydney Morning Herald. <laughs> it's Craig pointing his finger at Tanya. Tanya looking at the photographer with a big smile on her face saying, this is just too much fun. Frank, thanks for holding on, buddy. Let's continue our little chat. You know the photo I'm talking about, don't you? Yes, yes. No, the Nong's no match for tenure. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> oh, look, I don't know. Again, I, um, you know, I've had so many blues over this with people uh, on social media in particular. I've got no problem with Craig Kelly having his opinion. He can have his opinion on a whole range of issues. That's free speech we're allowed to. But the problem that we've had with Craig Kelly is that it's, you know, his information, if you like, has gone against what the government is suggesting uh, to deal with COVID-19 so far as vaccinations is concerned. There's, you know, $24 million of our money right now being spent around the country for advertisements on, you know, radio stations like this and on TV uh, to get people vaccinated. Uh, You know what I mean? And he's out there saying, well, hang on. No, maybe we've got it wrong. We need to be... I mean, he's a very senior minister and he really... Uh, shouldn't have gone against uh, the grain, if you like, of the chief medical officer. And Scott Morrison rightly um, pulled him into line yesterday. Yeah, well, look, you know, you got to say he's an ignoramus um, on, a lot, on a lot of issues. Uh, and, um, you know, hasn't Tanya previously got some style about it? But, look, he, he is, and I do say this, you know, the right-wing conservatives are, are damaging and they are dangerous, you know, on a, on a number of issues. And, you know, clearly, as you've just pointed out, we know his thoughts on um, the COVID-19 and vaccines and so forth. But, you know, just on a number of issues, it's, you know, the ignorance is staggering. And, and for instance, um, even climate change, being a climate change denier and, you know, and knocking renewable energy. This one point I wanted to make about renewable energy, on on our continent, the amount of um, energy beaming down from the sun on our continent in one day is enough energy to supply the world for a week. So we have the, of course, we have these people saying, oh, renewable energy will never be able to um, supply our energy needs. Mm. But the fact is, we could supply the world for a week. We, we, could, we can have five times our energy needs 
supplied by renewable energy, you know, if we harness it in the proper way. But, you know, on, on other issues, like I was going to say, the right-wing conservatives, you know, that they brought us the global financial collapse. They, they bring us uh, pollution and industry, and, and it's all about the bottom line and profits. You know, they bring us arms sales and and, and uh, presiding, you know, both sides of the equation, east and west, you know, presiding over um, arms sales and, and, and fueling conflicts around the world. I mean, they, they are damaging. Now, you know, just this vaccine fiasco that he's, that he's come up with and disinformation. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, look, uh, and you having Anthony Albanese on, I'll just say this before I go, look, yeah. they, have got, they have got the far superior policy yeah, uh, on, on climate change. But we need to hear, just on that, mate, we need to hear, and I'll be pushing Anthony on this this morning, it's all very well uh, uh, to be always negative, and that's what oppositions do. I mean, it's been very difficult for any opposition during the pandemic, uh, because on a global scale, as we know, credit where it's due, we've done extremely well, um, obviously. But... Yeah, I agree with that. But I we need to that. hear policy yeah. from Albo. I want to start hearing alternate ideas, alternate policies, rather than just, you know, the constant, well, uh, you know, having attacks at ScoMo. I mean, that's pretty easy. I mean, I do that. We can do that all the time. But unless you're putting up something as a viable alternative policy, it's just noise. Well, that's a good point, Marcus. And, you know, Anthony needs to get on his bike and start pedalling, you know, you know, very, very fast. So, look, but I, I'm not, it's not all negative. Look, I think the federal government has done a really good job in this, uh, you know, pandemic. And, um, and also the state governments as well, and also the public, you know. Um, but the thing is, and, and even our politicians and authorities are telling us, Marcus, we're still going to be in this for quite a while, and, and you know we can't be complacent. No, absolutely you know, not. No, I mean there are places uh, around the world, Frank, and I do need to leave it there, mate. But places around the world who are dealing with uh, ca- catastrophic numbers of COVID nineteen, catastrophic. Um, you know the United States, but there are others as well that we don't hear a lot about. You know areas like Spain and others who are just dealing with a health crisis that they've never dealt with before. We don't hear a lot about it because, well, for some reason or other, we, we just don't. Um, all right, mate, thank you so much. I do appreciate the call and some great comments there, 13, 12, 69, if you would like to chime in and be a part of the debate. Yeah, Albo will be on the program just after 7.30 this morning. And, look, some are suggesting, unfairly, I think, but I will I will press him on it, that perhaps Tanya Plibersek yesterday with her... Um, confrontation, if you like, with Craig Kelly was a bit of a, um, I don't know, perhaps a dress rehearsal for what's to come from Tanya. Her and Albo are very good friends. They, in fact, went to university together. They have been mates since before they got into federal parliament. But Tanya is the front runner to replace Albo if there is a move in the leadership. Uh, the younger ones, if you like, I mean, this is Tanya's last hurrah. The younger ones, like your Jim Chalmers and whatnot, well, you know, if Labor do lose the next election, I mean, they're on di- different factions as well. You need to remember that. But if Labor lose this upcoming election, whether it's this year or next year, well, then I'd imagine Jim Chalmers will then slot into the leadership role. 
I've no doubt about that, to be honest. Anyway, if you want to have your say on it, 131269, the telephone number. Marcus Paul in the morning. Alrighty, 131269, my telephone number, if you would like to have your say on this safer internet day. Maybe you can use this occasion today uh, to check what your kids are up to online. Remember, there was a warning as the kids got back to school that you needed to be a little careful, in particular with uh, what was being posted online. Okay, 13 12 69, the telephone number to have you say. Uh, now, for uh, our listening areas that are staying with us this morning for our breakfast program, Sydney today, mostly sunny, the slight chance of a shower or thunderstorm in the west. Uh, tops of around 29 degrees, so it's going to be quite warm and humid. Orange, partly cloudy, medium chance of showers. Uh, there'll be a chance in the south, mostly later this afternoon, for showers around orange and the chance of thunderstorms. Tonight, tops of 25 degrees for Bathurst and orange. And good morning to our listeners up there on the mid-north coast of New South Wales. For today, mostly sunny for you. The slight chance of a shower around the higher ground this afternoon and the early evening. The chance of a thunderstorm inland in the afternoon and a top of 27 degrees for the mid-north coast for Port Macquarie and Coffs Harbour. All right, it sounds like something horrific uh, from a movie, um, I don't know, what's that movie called? Wolf Creek. Two women have been charged after another woman was found with stab wounds in the boot of a car in the state's southern highlands. Police will allege in court that around 11.30 yesterday, a member of the public called Triple Zero to report seeing a hand waving from the rear taillight section of a white Holden sedan on the Hume Highway at Pheasant's Nest. Jeez, really? Like I say, it's like something from a movie. Anyway, Highway Patrol officers stopped the vehicle just before midday at Berrimer on the Hume. A woman was located in the boot of the vehicle suffering multiple stab wounds. The 24-year-old was treated at the scene before being taken to Liverpool Hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. The two other women, well, they were aged 18 and 24. The alleged kidnappers were arrested and taken to Southern Highlands Police Station. The 24-year-old woman charged with wounding a person with intent to cause grievous bodily harm, taking detaining company, etc. goes on. I mean, this moron was driving a car. So she basically had stolen the car, allegedly. Driving while disqualified. And she was also in possession of drugs. She was refused bail. And she'll front Picton local court today. The 18-year-old woman was charged with wounding a person, etc., um, anyway, she was also charged with the stealing of a vehicle, etc. as well. So uh, she was also refused bail and will appear before Picton Local Court today. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So we've got two women, fairly young women, aged 18 and 24, who have allegedly stabbed another woman and thrown her into the boot of a car. I mean, <laughs> what is this, underbelly or something? very concerning. Anyway, I I can't wait to hear more on this. Thank goodness the woman who was stabbed, the 24-year-old, 
uh, is in a stable condition in hospital and will recover. But I wonder what's gone on here. No doubt, it's probably drugs involved. Drugs were found on the scene, etc. And by the sounds of it, this 18 and 24-year-old who've been charged with the kidnapping and a range of other offences uh, probably been up to no good before. But anyway, we'll find out more detail. 13, 12, 69, but it's just a, an amazing story, isn't it? 13, 12, 69, 2smsupernetwork.com if you would like to send us an email this morning. Uh, look, a new survey of families here in Australia reveals that just over one in two parents, in fact, 52%, believe the COVID-19 crisis has impacted the mental health of their kids. It also found 60% of children were sensitive to the stress placed on their family with kids feeling isolated, irritable and more worried than usual. That's why it's so important to converse at home, reassure your kids, have a chat, make sure they turn those bloody tablets off and those phones off. No phones at the table. Let's sit down. Let's have dinner together and let's talk. That's a big part of the problem, I think. CEO of Life Education Kelly Sloan says the findings highlight the need for parents and teachers to be supported as we head into the new school year. Yeah, but still, I mean, I think this all starts at home, doesn't it? Stop allowing them to to get online all the time. Sit down with your kids over a meal, you know, dinner time. Whack the television off. I mean, it's all doom and gloom on the telly anyway, especially around news time, around dinner time. And have a chat with them. Maybe that will lead to, you know, perhaps easing this sense of isolation, irritability and worry in our kids. Genuine talk on the radio. Marcus Paul in the morning. $177 million state and federal bushfire relief fund, of which, surprise, surprise... The majority was allocated to coalition-held electorates. Analysis done by an inquiry chair, MP David Shoebridge, has revealed all this new information. We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning. It's not about politics for me. It's not Berejiklian or Barilaro's money. We expect our money to be shared equitably across the state of New South Wales. Marcus, in accordance with need in accordance with where it's most needed. And that's why I pushed to establish this inquiry. You know, it's a committee that I chair. It's called the Public Accountability Committee. How did a, you know, large uh, multinational timber company get 10 million bucks? Bushfire-related funds. We'll be asking this question. We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, great email here from Matt. G'day, Marcus. I had to laugh when a caller you had stated right-wing conservatives are the most dangerous people on the planet, blaming them for climate climate change, pollution and the global financial crisis. I wonder how many forests that caller had to cut down to make the world's longest arrow. He fired after drawing the world's longest bow. (laughs) Very good. Genuine talk on the radio. This is Marcus Paul in the morning. Craig Kelly interrupting Tanya Plibersek. Got a taxpayer-funded nong running around telling people not to. (laughs) He needs to shut up. Did you hear about Professor Clancy? You've got to listen to our most most senior senior immunologist. What? And the word of the day is nong. Oh, I love that. (laughs) I love that. Nong. This guy's a government MP. 
you have to be held to a higher standard if you're going to sit in the government party room. has to take responsibility for the words that come out of his mouth when they're this far off the reservation that's actually doing harm. We're bringing you all the news and the views. A lawyer faces being disbarred for life after he was caught having <laughs> sex during a virtual court hearing being held on Zoom. <laughs> ah, I mean, I've heard of pro bono, but never before have I heard of pro bono. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, good morning and welcome to the program. Welcome back. If you've already been with us, it is a Thursday. It's February 4 and I'd love to know what's on your mind. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Look, Telstra, unfortunately, are set to push ahead with cuts to its workforce. 1,425 jobs will go as a part of its massive staff retrenchment exercise that's happening across Australia and also in its international locations. This so-called T22 commitment, which is a really, I don't know, bureaucratic or... I guess, management way of saying um, job cuts. T, I mean, T22, who comes up with this? Well, I suppose it's a lot less damaging than calling them job cuts. That's exactly what they are. T22. Anyway, the chief executive, Andy Penn, announced the job cuts in an email to all Telstra staff yesterday. The telco is understood to be more than 90% through its so-called T22 commitments, which includes an overall workforce reduction of 8,000 roles by June 30 this year. 8,000 staff. It's understood Telstra is expecting to make a further 800 reductions, mostly by the end of this calendar year. And some of these reductions are in overseas call centres. Or maybe that is at least one positive. I mean, I hate seeing people anywhere lose jobs, but, I mean, come on. You're an Australian telco. At least answer your customers' inquiries, I don't know, here in Australia. Might help. Uh, New South Wales is set to receive more doses of the COVID vaccine than any other states and territories to inoculate frontline staff working with returned international travellers because of the size of the state's international quarantine operation. Yesterday, New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian said if we're going to continue to bear more of the risk here in New South Wales, well, then it stands to reason that we reduce that risk by making sure our quarantine workers are some of the first in line to get the vaccine. Well, yes, makes absolute sense. It come if some states, rather, the Premier goes on, if some states are bringing in more Australians than others, obviously that carries risk with it. So more doses of the COVID-19 vaccine for New South Wales, which I guess only stands to reason, yeah? Now, today is World Cancer Day, this Thursday, Feb 4, and we're being urged to seek health information from quote-unquote credible sources. Now, new research has found common cancer myths are rife in the community, particularly around alternative therapies, skin cancer and the safety of sunscreen. Megan Varlow from the Cancer Council says we should look to official sources of information and be very weary of claims made on social media. 
See, the problems are, of course, that there are a lot of opportunists out there who, I don't know, somewhere in their backyards whip up some sort of concoction which they claim can cure cancer. Uh, We're talking about the Pete Evans of this world, and they will take advantage of people. Remember Pete with that ridiculous $15,000 machine that he claimed would cure COVID-19? He's a danger, that bloke. And there are a lot of them out there. A lot of them out there. Look, New Cancer Council data shows common cancer myths include two and three of us. That's 67% of Australians agree that animals can sniff out cancer. Really? Two in five of us, 40%, believe that alternative therapies can cure cancer. Nearly half of us, 46%, believe sunscreen contains chemicals that are bad for you. Well, that's not true. And 8% of all Australians don't realise that you can get skin cancer even if you don't burn. So today, World Cancer Day, the Cancer Council of Australia is encouraging all of us to seek health information from credible sources. With new research showing common cancer myths are rife amongst all of us. They surveyed a 1,000 Australians to form a nationally representative sample and found some alarming and potentially dangerous myths about cancer. Now, they say people affected by cancer are particularly vulnerable, and we know that misinformation in cancer is rife. This is in part due to people looking to sell products or miracle cures, but also due to misinformation filtering into the public sphere through unchecked sources like social media and the internet. I mean, two in five Australians believed alternative therapies can cure cancer. One of the most misleading myths of modern medicine is that conventional cancer doctors reject so-called natural therapies in favour of artificial or unnatural cancer therapies. The problem is this myth has contributed to the popularity of these unproven alternative cancer treatments. Be very, very careful of, what do they call them? Snake oil salesmen. There are plenty of them out there. would appear that BCF, boating, camping, fishing, uh, the company behind, well, they're, I mean, they're, they're a massive company. And they do very well because, you know, they trade on our love of the great outdoors here in Australia. But it, it would appear that they're not being cancelled, which I think is good. An advertisement that highlights the virtues of being confined to Australia after someone ate a bat has been cleared by an official investigation, although some who scrutinised the commercial believed it incited contempt and ridicule of China and Chinese people. The ad for outdoor equipment company BCF also depicts a Caucasian man eating a bat burger. (laughs) One complainant highlighted the new ad standards bureau's community panel report said this is scientifically inaccurate, but my complaint is implied racism against China, even if the depiction is not a Chinese person. It goes on. I mean, a poll conducted by the Daily Telegraph found nearly 90% of respondents considered the complaints about this ad to be baseless. Look, we do know anyone that's been to China, anyone that's seen vision from China, we do know that they eat all kinds of so-called exotic animals. Unfortunately, we know uh, with the um, 
<clears throat> campaigns against it that unfortunately they also eat domesticated animals like dogs. There's the whole dog market, which, you know, animal liberationists around the world have campaigned long and hard to have shut down. So I th- I'm sorry, I, think, I just think it's fair game, particularly in satire. I mean, for goodness sake, people who are from China and have made Australia their home, I mean, I don't, you know, even because of this ad, I, if I see a Chinese person, of which obviously there are many of them here in Australia, I don't automatically assume they're eating a bat or I don't automatically assume that they've cooked up Fido the night before and served up a three-course meal with a tail included. I mean, we, it's got to be some common sense with all of this, hasn't there? Surely. Goodness sake. Anyway, I think that's, this is a good move. It's a good move for free speech. It's a good move that allows the Aussie larrikinism to survive. I mean, because at the end of the day, it's a light-hearted scenario intended to be humorous in nature and in no way references race or ethnicity. Whilst eating a burger with a bat inside can be interpreted to a reference to the suspected origin of COVID-19, that's beside the point. Shouldn't we be able to, you know, be concerned about, I don't know, people in China allegedly eating bats? I am. I'm concerned that China, of which we allow many Chinese to come to our country, I'm concerned that, you know, they do have a history of consuming what we consider these days to be our pets, domesticated animals. There's nothing racist about saying that. It's a fact. You know, it does concern me because it's not what we do here. You know, but then again, I don't know, there are probably many cultures, there are, there are many cultures around the world that consider eating pigs or pork as an issue. I'm still going to enjoy my pork chops on Friday night. You know, or have bacon whenever I want it. I mean, you can twist this whatever way you want. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't enjoy what we enjoy eating. And, you know, unfortunately, in China, some people enjoy eating bats. And they also enjoy eating domesticated animals like dogs. Thank God it's in China and not here in Australia. Marcus Paul in the morning. From Sydney to the Sunshine Coast. Coffee in the morning. You're listening to Marcus Paul. Call Marcus now. 13 12 69. All right, the state opposition in New South Wales at 23 after 6. They're demanding the government take urgent action to fix the systemic healthcare crisis in rural and regional New South Wales. Yes, we know that the parliamentary inquiry is ongoing. We'll speak to Shadow Health Minister Ryan Park about this on the program. Uh, Ryan's coming up after 6.30. Uh, on the email, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. This from Sue, the woman in the boots. G'day, Marcus. What's the country coming to? Overrun by alleged drug runners, kidnappers. <laughs> this poor woman. She was waving a hand out of the broken taillight. Of the boot of the car. Thank God another motorist saw this and rang the highway patrol. It's unbelievable. Well, yes, it is. It's like something from out of, gee, I don't know, a movie. You want to grab that call, Scruff? 
A teenage girl who was stabbed and locked in the boot of a car escaped after she pushed out the vehicle's taillight and waved her hand through the hole as she was being driven down the highway down near Berrimer. A number of motorists, motorists noticed this and they rang triple zero after they saw the 18-year-old's hand just before midday yesterday. I shouldn't giggle about it, but for God's sake, really? We're talking about 18-year-old women here. 24-year-old woman as well involved in this. A nearby highway patrol car pulled over the late-model Commodore of Berrimer and freed the young woman who had minor stab wounds to her knee, thigh and forearm, Latia Henderson who's 18, was allegedly driving the Commodore. Her passenger, Kaylee Ketley, 24, both from Campbelltown. Of course, the, Her- the Telegraph can't help themselves. They have to put a picture up of this young Latia Henderson there with a boob tube on and little belly button showing, etc. Anyway, um, that's beside the point. They're in a whole world of trouble. A whole world of trouble for this alleged kidnapping. And not only that, this... Henderson woman um, basically um, was also allegedly in possession of drugs Uh, she was banned from driving already for goodness sake and anyway we go through the story here this Latia Henderson's Facebook page features photos of herself embracing 15-year-old Brayden Dillon alongside a tribute saying it's never a goodbye my love until we meet again a month after he was executed in Sydney back in 2017. Well, the plot thickens, as they say. Interesting. Interesting. Anyway, it's very fortunate, uh, as police say, that they found this young woman alive. It could have ended quite catastrophically for her, but we're thankful that it ended with no loss of life and no person seriously injured. Anyway, this Latia Henderson and her co-accused... Kaylee Ketley, both from Campbelltown, uh, will front a magistrate today. This is, what, Sydney 2021. We've got 18 and 24-year-olds kidnapping people and stabbing them. Allegedly, have we? Fantastic. All right, Sam, come here for a sec. Just, just a little bit closer, mate. Yep, thank you. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, Chris, are you there, mate? I am Marcus. How are, How are you? you today? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. You wanted to talk about what? Bats? Flying fox. Oh, China, yes. Chinese eating, eating the bats. That, that's not just a Chinese thing. That that goes right through Vietnam, Philippines, all those countries right down into Papua New Guinea, yeah. the top end of Australia. Well, look, a lot of these cultures, uh, not I don't know, know necessarily that's the that's Chinese, but a lot of them uh, do because... In some areas, sadly, that's part of the diet because there's not much else available. No, actually, they're considered a delicacy and they pay very high for them. Oh, um, okay. I personally would not be inclined to eat them. Mm. But um, when it comes to eating domestic animals, yeah, aren't all the animals we eat domestic animals? Yeah, well, that's true. And I, would not, I wouldn't eat dogs. No, uh, and again, uh, and for those that get upset, um, I don't really care uh, because it's a well-known fact that there are dog markets in some Southeast Asian countries and I believe they should be called out. I think it's disgusting. Maybe that's because, you know, we have domesticated dogs and a lot of people have fur babies and 
you know, it's we would never consider in a million years throwing them on the barbecue. Dogs have always been a part of our all cultures. I, um, Craig Kelly had a bad day yesterday. <laughs> Craig Kelly has a bad day every day. <laughs> That's it for me, mate. All right, buddy. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. Ah, dear idea. Why are we talking bats? Well, an advertisement that highlights the virtues of being confined to Australia after someone ate a bat has been cleared by an official investigation, although some who scrutinised the commercial believed it incited contempt and ridicule of China and Chinese people. What a load of rubbish. Uh, 13, 12, 69, if you want to have your say on this. The ad for outdoor equipment company BCF also depicts a Caucasian man eating a bat burger. Eating a bat burger. Really? Bat burger. What? What are you looking at out there, Scruff? Look, I don't get it. Whilst eating a, a burger with a bat inside could be interpreted to a reference to the suspected origin of COVID-19, it's a light-hearted scenario intended to be humorous in nature and in no way references race or ethnicity, BCF said. Well, come on. <laughs> Pull the other one. Of course, your ad references COVID-19... And the possibility that someone had a dodgy bat, which led to the whole thing starting in the first place. Don't try and hide away from that fact. It's just great marketing. Great marketing. You know, who would have thought that one dodgy bat would change the course of the world in the last year and a half? Anyway, at the end of the day, uh, whether it's true or not, and I believe, I believe personally there's a lot of truth to it, You know, uh, the whole bat scenario is very likely. It's either that or COVID-19 originated in a warehouse in Wuhan somewhere. It's either a bat or a warehouse. You can't eat a warehouse. All right, uh, today for Sydney, uh, 29 degrees, 31 in the west, so it's going to be a little warm and a little muggy. Slight chance of a shower or thunderstorm in the west. Uh, good morning to our listeners in Bathurst and Orange. Partly cloudy today for you, 25 degrees, medium chance of showers in the south, slight chance elsewhere, maybe a thunderstorm tonight. And for listeners in Coffs, Port Macquarie, tops around 27 degrees to you uh, for you today on the mid-north coast, slight chance of a shower about the high ground this afternoon and early tonight, maybe a thunderstorm inland in the afternoon and early evening. All right, tops of around 27 degrees for Port Macquarie and Coffs Harbour. Very soon, Ryan Park on the program. Uh, Ryan, of course, is the Shadow Minister for Health in New South Wales. He's going to update us on what's happening at this parliamentary inquiry into rural and regional health care. More stories today highlighting a, a system that's overstretched under-resourced and plagued by chronic doctor shortages. I mean, yesterday, the news wasn't good. We're hearing in some regional and rural hospitals in New South Wales, people are being told to bring their own bandages. Doug, good morning. How are you, mate? Hi, mate. How are you going? All right, thank you, Doug. I can't wait to get into work and have a look at this ad. I'm hearing about it, but I haven't seen it. But you know what? 
look, as long as we're consistent, you know, we got a cop when the Chinese say things about our armed forces, which, whilst they're great, they haven't always been the best behaved. Mm. And we got to cop that free speech. You know, we got to... Uh, that Letitia girl being on the front front page, because that's also free speech. And if people want to say things about our past regarding our convict past and our behaviour, we're going to cop that too. So I think as long as we learn to cop it, then play the ad or have the ad shown. Well, yes. Uh, look, I don't know who complained. There was probably one or two complaints about it. So it went before a panel uh, who basically have given it the OK. Uh, I mean, why can't we no longer... Poke fun at scenarios and situations. Satire, as last time I looked, satire wasn't dead. I mean, we do a bit of it here on the program, and uh, it's pretty bad on occasion. But I mean, yes, what happened to the irreverence that we used to be able to show in this country? Unfortunately, it seems to be being cancelled day in, day out by the politically correct brigade. Okay, thirteen twelve sixty nine. if you would like to have you say, Anthony Albanese will be on the program in just under an hour's time. I look forward to catching up with Albo this morning. Uh, now, in Orange, for my listeners on 2EL, good morning to you. At 18 minutes away from 7, community members are concerned about the safety of people and animals after coming across a magpie that appeared to have been deliberately shot by an arrow. Really? It's not good. Now, this is actually uh, at a reserve in Bathurst, in Laneth. A mum and her teenage daughter were walking through this reserve on Friday night when they came across the magpie. It was basically shot with an arrow. The arrow had impaled the bird. Now, National Parks and Wildlife Service has also slammed the incident and called on police to come forward if they, or called on people rather, to come forward if they had any information so they could then pass it on to police. It's cowardly, it's senseless. And don't forget as well, magpies are a protected native animal. And if you harm them, that is, if you think it's a good idea to, I don't know, impale a uh, magpie with an arrow or shoot a magpie with a bow and arrow... Twenty-two thousand dollars is the fine. Also in the central west this morning, as house prices across the region continue to skyrocket, the latest figures once again show the biggest increase in property values across the central west has come from a smaller centre than one might expect. Orange is still the most expensive place to buy in terms of average house prices, but in terms of values increasing, the new Domain House Price Report reveals parks to be the biggest mover of 2020. December quarter figures show the average price of a house in parks has reached, well, it's minuscule in comparison to my Sydney listeners, what we expect, $335,000. And that is a uh, an increase of well, nearly a quarter, 24.1% over the past 12 months. <laughs> there you go. Sounds like housing is, well, affordable in parks. You want to sell up here in Sydney or one of our big centres and head to parks? It's gorgeous there. It's beautiful. If you can get work, great. 335000 bucks. Fantastic. By the way, if you're listening to us on the Mid-North Coast as well, a bit of news for you. The Golden Wattle Mobile Service Station... 
Um, let's have a look here. That's on its way. The Golden Wattle Mobile Service Centre. Oh, I see what this is. Right. Now, let me have a look here. The Golden Wattle Mobile Service Centre vehicle is on its way to the, to the North Coast, providing residents in five mid-North Coast communities easy access to government services, including Centrelink, Medicare and Child Support Services. So those in Scottshead, Bowerville, South West Rocks and Taylor's Arm are scheduled for a visit from the Golden Wattle starting on Friday. The Golden Wattle Mobile Service Centre, or Mobile Service Centre vehicle. Who comes up with these names? It sounds like it's your one-stop mobile shop for all all things government services. Anyway, it's good though. I mean, if you're up there around Scottshead, Bowerville, Southwest Rocks, Taylor's Arm, and you find it difficult to, you know, to get to the nearest major centre, wherever that might be for you, Port or Coffs, and you need to access Centrelink, Medicare and Child Support Services, well, starting tomorrow, this Golden Model Mobile Service Centre is on its way to your neck of the woods. Great news. Look, um, if you want to have your say up there, 13 12 69, the telephone number on any local issue, that's for the Mid-North Coast and also for the Central West of New South Wales. Meanwhile, a Port Macquarie man has scored the $100,000 first prize in Tuesday's Lucky Lottery's draw, the second time he's won the prize. What? The second time he's won the prize? Wow. Winning a hundred grand once is fantastic, but winning it twice? He's a regular player. He wants to remain anonymous. He purchased his winning entry of five random numbers online. And this Port Macquarie bloke, he's one of the luckiest blokes in the country. He has to be. He's won $100,000 twice. Anyway, this all comes after an Ambaka Valley couple were surprised with the news they won $200,000 in the Lucky Lottery's mega jackpot draw last week. The couple had bought a single ticket. Well, there we go. There's a lot of very lucky people up around the Nambucca and Port Macquarie region by the sounds of things. Genuine talk on the radio. Marcus Paul in the morning. Who are the biggest donors or bribers of our politicians, Michael? Well, with Clive Palmer, as you know, he gave himself that $10 million. He gave himself that money. So he is the biggest. <laughs> and it was to himself. Now, how this can be regarded as a tax-deductible donation <laughs> is anybody's guess. But Only in Australia. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back. Now, as you know, there is uh, a parliamentary inquiry currently underway into rural and regional health care, which is a shambles. Brian Park is the Shadow Health Minister. Ryan, g'day, mate. G'day, Marcus. All right, you're demanding the government take urgent action to fix this systemic health care crisis. 700 people from regional and rural communities have made harrowing submissions to this inquiry. Uh, Basically, it's highlighted a system that's overstretched, under-resourced and plagued by chronic doctor shortages, and it's BYI bandages in some cases, for goodness sake. Marcus, I fought hard to get this inquiry established. The government never wanted this inquiry to get underway, and now, after seeing the submissions, it's no wonder why, because... 
I was sick to death of hearing story after story from community members yeah. where seemingly nothing was happening out in rural and regional New South Wales. This is an opportunity now to shine a light on this problem and get this solved once and for all. And it can start with the upcoming budget getting handed down later in this year. I mean, when you look at some of the submissions, I've gone through a handful of them. I mean, they're very damning. I mean, some in some cases you'd think that we're living in, uh, I don't know, a third world country. I don't want to go into too many, too many details because it, it's quite distressing, but it's quite clear that not only are people who are sick in regional communities being let down, the system itself is sick. Marcus, in recent days and over the last week or so, I've spent considerable time going through the submissions and in, in, in grave detail, to be honest, and it's confronting. Uh, it's confronting because I sit there and ask myself, would I want this if it was for my family? Would I expect this if it was for my wife, for my kids, for my mum and dad? Um, and no, I wouldn't cop it. And no, I wouldn't want it. And if that's the case, then we have responsibility to do something about it. And the government cannot keep putting its head in the sand and saying there's not a problem here. There is a problem. There's a major problem. People out living outside of major metropolitan cities in New South Wales are getting a second-tier health service and it's costing lives and it's causing great grief and distress for families. What do we do about it, Ryan, rather than simply just throwing money at the problem? Obviously, money's a part of it, but we obviously need to ensure that we can uh, attract healthcare professionals, doctors, nurses and otherwise out into regional communities as well. I think we've got to have a look at the way... I think we've got to have a look at the way in which we are attracting and retaining staff in these areas, the way in which colleges, our medical colleges, are promoting regional and rural medicine, the way in which some of our universities, particularly those in regional areas, should be having some medical schools established to try and keep and retain and keep that flow of workers coming in there. But we've also got to make sure that the career paths in regional and rural medicine and for those health workers are strong and there's just as many opportunities in regional New South Wales as there are those for those studying and working in metropolitan cities. Absolutely. All right, mate, always great to have you on the program. Catch up soon. Thanks a lot, Marcus. Thank you, mate. There he is, Ryan Park, Shadow uh, Health Minister in New South Wales. Well, they're right. I mean, there does need to be urgent action to fix this systemic healthcare crisis in rural and regional New South Wales. We've heard some of the most harrowing stories, even on this program. For quite some time, we've heard of people in places like the central west of New South Wales and even further west and up into the north coast, where they are just not receiving the same quality of healthcare that we do in big cities. You should not be discriminated against quite simply because you decide to live in rural or regional New South Wales. Marcus Paul in the morning. We're off to the news soon at 7 o'clock. Anthony Albanese on the program soon. Oh my God, oh my God, this feeling's just begun. I'm saying things I've never said, doing things I've never done. Oh my God, oh my God, when I see you I should have run. But I'm frozen in motion and my head tells me to stop Tells me to stop Feeling things, feeling things I feel about us Try to fight it but it's never enough My heart is hurting, it's more than a crush Cause I'm frozen in motion
mind And my head tells me to stop But my heart goes Bum, 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 Cause my heart goes Tells me to stop feeling feelings I feel about us Try to fight it, but it's never enough My heart is hurting, it's more than a crush Cause I'm frozen in motion And my head tells me to stop But my heart goes Marcus Paul in the morning, Joel Corey. Uh, great to have your company. 13, 12, 69 if you'd like to have your say. Maybe uh, you've got your couple of cents worth on wannabe saints Israel Folau. I mean, the story is that last night he was sent packing by the Dragons, just 24 hours after the club publicly flagged their interest in, handli- in handing the controversial star at NRL com- comeback. Look, a defiant Falau vowed to hunt for another club. Well, I reckon he'll probably end up, I think, where he was before. Wasn't he a Brisbane Bronco player before? They'll find money for him. Or perhaps he could be the next Sonny Bill Williams to fit under that, I don't know, salary cap sombrero they have at Bondi. Not quite sure. Anyway, it's understood the Dragons were reluctant to again put the club in the spotlight in a lengthy process to get Falau on board, there was also, of course, some sponsor and fan backlash. Look, the Israel Falau issue is contentious. I get it. I really do. But uh, the more I think about it, I know that tweet is still up there, that homophobic tweet. And it is homophobic. I don't care what anybody says. You can't, you can't be a homophobe and hide behind religion to excuse your behaviour the end of the day. But we should also allow this bloke to have freedom of speech, which he has, but there should be consequences for that freedom of speech. And if it means that he places his code in a spot of bother because sponsors might walk, well, then he shouldn't get a contract. But if he promises not to use the platform, the massive platform of the National Rugby League, to espouse his 
homophobic views, well, then he should be allowed to play football. I mean, who are the NRL to preach? I mean, we've got people who've allegedly committed domestic violence and other heinous acts who are still running around the football field playing. I mean, for goodness sake, it's a little hypocritical, isn't it not? Okay, news time now, 7 o'clock. Marcus Paul in the... Genuine talk on the radio. This is Marcus Paul in the morning. Craig Kelly interrupting Tanya Plibersek. Got a taxpayer-funded nong running around telling people not to. <laughs> he needs to shut up. Did you hear about Professor Clancy? You've got to listen to our, oh, oh, most, oh, oh, our, most, oh, senior, our most senior immunologist. <laughs> what? And the word of the day is nong. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Nong. This guy's a government MP. You have to be held to a higher standard if you're going to sit in the government party room. has to take responsibility for the words that come out of his mouth when they're this far off the reservation that's actually doing harm. We're bringing you all the news and the views. A lawyer faces being disbarred for life after he was caught having (laughs) sex during a virtual court hearing being held on Zoom. (laughs) Ah, I mean, I've heard of pro bono, but never before have I heard of pro bono. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, six minutes after 7, 13, 12, 69, if you'd like to have you say, welcome to Thursday. It's the fourth day of February. Mick's on the open line. Hello, mate. Oh, hello, mate. How are you this morning? All right, thank you, Mick. Mate, Tanya Plibersek, mm-hmm. invaded by, um, a conversation invaded by Craig Kelly. She did okay. okay well, I she don't did even right. know. At least she gave him the name yeah. of Nong. Um, <laughs> she's done something we'll remember from the conversation, but a wasted opportunity, really. Could you imagine if some Nong, like Craig Kelly, had thrown up at, say, a conference of Paul Keatings or someone like that? Do you remember some of the things Keating said to people like him? Oh, them, Paul... you wouldn't know if your bum you wouldn't know if your bum was on fire yeah. till someone handed you a carefully worded pamphlet on the dangers of anal combustion. Yes, he's brilliant. You know, uh, but, I mean, we miss well, people like Paul Keating. He was he was he was the. Uh, I mean, what about some of the comments? Oh, he's all tip and no iceberg. That bloke and, and others. Look, brilliant. Do you know what? To lead Labor to victory, mm. you have to have charisma. That's what you have to have, and. She's got a little bit of it. She can develop it. I'm afraid Albo doesn't have it. That bottom lip just—it just the words just don't get out in time. Mm. He doesn't have it. She—I re- would have torn Craig Kelly to bits yesterday. I'd have been saying to him, "Go and get your leader to stand beside you. Come on, you're an idiot. You're wrong. Go and drag him out here if you think he backs you up." He well, doesn't. I'd, true. I'd, have, I'd yeah. have ripped them both apart yesterday, mm. and I'm not even a politician. But at least she earned some points, and she, what she's got to do is keep working like that. But I'd like you to ask all of them, when are they going to distance themselves from these green policies? Could you imagine a Labor Party of the 70s, 80s or 90s saying, we are going to put coal miners out of work? Yep. All right. Well, look, mate, I've got Anthony Albanese. Uh, he'll be joining us just after our 7.30 mate, news. going to work on his charisma. Well, You've got to have yes. Think of a Labor Party leader who has led us to victory, mm-hmm. not one who lost a lot of seats to Tony Abbott and then finally, you know, had to do a deal to get in with the Greens. But oh, yeah. any of them who've led us to victory mm. have had charisma. You can't do Labor without... The Liberals don't mind a stick-up-your-bottom leader like, you know, Malcolm Fraser, John Howard. They like that, you conservatives. But you must inspire people to vote Labor. Otherwise, by default, they'll just vote for someone else. All right, mate. Well said. Thank you, Mick. Maybe, uh, maybe we can bring Keating back. Justin, let's get a couple uh, of... Um 
Keating's Greatest Hits. I don't know. We'll do that. See if we can find a couple of uh, Keating's Greatest Hits. That'd be a bit of fun. 13, 12, 69, if you would like to have you say. From Sydney to the Sunshine Coast. Coffee in the morning. You're listening to Marcus Paul. Call Marcus now. 13, 12, 69. All right. Uh, look, just on that, the bloke that's, that Paul Kelly was spruiking, um, the bloke that Paul... Uh, just before I get to that, uh, just a reminder of, uh, of the problem we have in Sydney. The Sydney Harbour Tunnel is closed southbound due to a multi-vehicle crash. Southbound motorists are being diverted onto the Sydney Harbour Bridge. So the Harbour Tunnel closed southbound. Emergency services are on scene. There are vehicles in both lane one and lane two, uh, but a couple of cars are slowly getting past. But uh, we've got a problem there. I need to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to play you a little bit of audio from our sister station, 2HD, in Newcastle. They managed to get a hold of this Professor Robert Clancy, who Craig Kelly says we should be listening to. I think uh, the audio that you hear will hear in a moment will quite clearly outline why perhaps we shouldn't be listening to Professor Clancy and perhaps it will once and for all settle the argument of whether or not Craig Kelly is in fact a nong. From Taree to the Tweed. Coffee in the morning. You're listening to Marcus Paul. Call Marcus now. 13 12 69. All right, Victoria is back under harsher restrictions today after a hotel quarantine worker tested positive to COVID-19 overnight. The man worked at the Grand Hyatt, one of the three main hotels being used for the Australian Open. Up to 600 tennis players, officials and support staff are now considered close contacts and have been told to isolate and get tested. And all tennis matches at Melbourne Park today have been, well, called off. What a mess. Genomic sequencing is underway to determine how the man contracted the virus and if it is one of the new variants from overseas. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews said in a late-night press conference, Tennis Australia has not yet said if there will be a knock-on effect for the Australian Open. Of course there will be. The whole thing is supposed to start on Monday. They're going to give an update later this morning, but boy, oh boy, it's a major problem there. It, I'm sorry, but this event should not have gone ahead. It's been a complete disaster from the time we started importing tennis players from overseas that already had the damn virus, for goodness sake. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The federal governments, the biotech industry and scientists are working on ways to establish... Uh, an mRNA vaccine manufacturing plant here in Australia. The cutting-edge jabs from Pfizer, BioNTech and Moderna yielded remarkably strong results in clinical trials and are expected to be easier to reconfigure to cover the new variants than more conventional inoculations, such as AstraZeneca, which is being made locally by CSL. Look, at the end of the day, it all it's all medical mumbo-jumbo, but if we... Just cutting through all of it, if we can manufacture some of these virus uh, inoculations or vaccines here in Australia uh, going forward, well then surely it'll save money and be better off. I mean, it's creating jobs. 
Anyway, 131269, speaking of vaccines, the new details about the local rollouts set to begin later this month. One third of vaccines destined for Australia are expected to come to New South Wales. As we mentioned earlier, the Premier obviously has called for this due to the large number of quarantine and healthcare workers here. As evidenced by Victoria's new case, the people at greatest risk of contracting the virus are those working in close proximity with returning travellers. Premier Gladys Berejiklian will lobby the federal government to put thousands of police, security guards and healthcare personnel in the quarantine network at the front of the queue. What do you make of that? 13, 12, 69. Uh, the Olympics, to speaking of sport, I mean, I am pretty adamant in my opinion that the Australian Tennis Open should not have gone ahead. The Olympics probably should not go ahead. I mean, there is a so-called COVID playbook that's been released by the International Olympic Committee for the Tokyo Games. It'll stipulate masks, testing and no cheering. (laughs) Really? No cheering. No cheering. Well, how on earth are you going to have an Olympic Games with no cheering? I mean, it's just bloody ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. All right, uh, good morning to my listeners on the northern beaches of Sydney. Now, there are, the cash grants will soon be available to those businesses that have been struggling most with the COVID lockdown that was put in place just prior to Christmas uh, in the northern areas of Sydney's beachside suburbs. Uh, business owners will be able to apply for relief packages of up to $5,000. under this cash grant scheme. All right. Uh, Now, I mentioned earlier that I would play this audio. It's in light of, of course, what's happened with Craig Kelly, Tanya Plibersek, etc. Don't forget, Anthony Albanese on the program very soon. But uh, in their showdown yesterday, Craig Kelly said very clearly that we should be listening to so-called experts like Professor Clancy, Professor Robert Clancy. Well, anyway, our breakfast team on 2HD in Newcastle, managed to track down this Professor Clancy and got him on the phone. Do you, do you accept that description from Craig Kelly of yourself as Australia's most eminent uh, senior credentialed immunologist? Uh, probably the oldest, if that makes me senior. No, look, I, I, I started clinical immunology in Australia with two others, and uh, um, and uh, I've been involved in clinical immunology for a long time and in mucosal immunology, so... Uh, in that sense, uh, um, I, I think I've had a lot of experience and I, I've contributed. Right. Well, the the University of, uh, of Newcastle seems to have distanced themselves from you a little bit. Um, in the Newcastle Herald this morning, um, their uh, vice-chancellor has said that you're, you're not an expert on, the, uh, on COVID-19, Robert. Well, he's not quite right. Um, I'm an expert on... Uh, the relationship between infection and the airways, and that's what I've worked on for 30 or 40 years. Uh, Robert, what would you say in response to Chief Medical Officer Paul Kelly's statement that there's no evidence the drugs such as hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin have any benefit in the prevention or the treatment of COVID-19? Well, if he said that, then uh, it's not correct. Right. Okay. Well, look, again, I'll just... The university, and I'm I'm quoting Alex Zielinski here, the university does not consider Robert Clancy a subject matter expert on COVID-19. You you refute that? 
Yeah, I'm not quite sure why they said that because I, I'm not sure how they'd know. Right. Okay. And also to continue the quote, our researchers are expected to adhere to strict scientific standards in providing opinions on matters of public interest. Which is exactly what I do. I think we're all on the same team here. We're, we're all trying to, um, uh, you know, get across these hurdles uh, to make sure that everyone understands. Uh, I haven't got a clue why uh, there is a difference of views on the, the, the data that exists. Because I, I think it's partly because it, it's come at such a rush. We're in a very different circumstance to what we are when we had measles and things like that. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a time of, of great turmoil, but it's all starting to settle down. Uh, the world is using uh, these drugs now widely throughout much of the world, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, that will occur very soon in Australia. All right, there he is, Richard King and Shanna, up there at our sister station 2HD with that Professor Robert Clancy. Uh, now, obviously, he's being discredited by the university up there in Newcastle, but he's standing firm in his belief that those drugs, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, can be used to effectively relieve the symptoms of COVID-19. It won't stop people from getting COVID, but the argument is that these two drugs will effectively help reduce the symptoms. But the problem is, of course, that it's not being pushed and not and has not been approved by the Therapeutic Goods Administration of Australia, which is really the only way that you should be taking any other drug or any drug in order to deal with uh, an illness. Anyway, what did you make of it? 13, 12, 69. Um, look, you know, you've got to be respectful of, of the opinions of, say, this Professor Robert Clancy, etc. I mean, he's obviously someone who is, uh, is quite um, eminent in his field, if he doesn't, you know, even if he uh, says so himself. But is he more qualified than the Chief Medical Health Officer of Australia or other you know, medical health uh, authorities around different jurisdictions of Australia, New South Wales, Queensland, Victorian health ministers and chief health officers? Perhaps not. So that's why we need to be very, very careful. And that's why yesterday again the Prime Minister rebuked Craig Kelly and told him to put a lid on it. Steve, are you there, mate? G'day, Marcus. How are you? All right, thanks, Steve. What's on your mind? I just wanted to know how you felt about the Chief Medical Officer in Queensland and, you know, whether she'd be in front of someone like Robert Clancy. What do you mean in by regards that? To, well, she stood there and said people with money that are bringing money to the state were more important than anyone else. Well, I disagree yeah, with that. No, story, no, mate? Yeah, hang on. behind that? Hang on. I, yeah, you're right. And I called that out at the time and I said it was disgraceful that she allowed the AFL uh, to play in the state of Queensland. That's a, you know, that's a, that, to be honest, isn't really medically uh, based. I'm not, you know, she really shouldn't have, she has no place. None of the chief medical officers have any place involving themselves in politics. They're employed to give medical advice not advice that seems to be very political, and that was. So, yes, Steve, absolutely. She should not have said that. And just, a, and, uh, you spoke the other day about the political donations. Yeah. How do you feel about a group like GetUp 
Well, I think GetUp are fantastic, and they provide a, a really good sound barrier to the Murdoch press. So, yeah, I just answered it. I think they're fantastic. Thanks, mate. We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning. The usual spin and marketing spiel we get from ScoMo and his mob, and nobody wants to take any responsibility at all for the robo-debt scandal, do they? Well, ScoMo should be called Promo with the way that uh, he acts. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right. 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you would like to have you say this morning. Anthony Albanese is the leader of the Federal Labor Party, uh, a party which may well very be uh, may well very be uh, right now in election mode. I think they are. Anthony, good morning to you, mate. Good morning, Marcus. Good to be with you again. Yeah, great to talk to you. Uh, yesterday, uh, a lot was made of this so-called showdown or shirt-fronting of Craig Kelly. By Tanya Plibersek. You and Tanya go back a ways. I know uh, the history between the two of you. Uh, you spoke to Tanya after this? I sure did. She was uh, uh, just determined to put a sensible position. Uh, her mum lives in Craig Kelly's electorate. So the idea that someone who's the local member is spreading around essentially a message that COVID isn't a major problem, that we don't have to listen to the science, we don't have to listen to the chief medical officer, uh, that uh, some of the solutions that he's proposed, such as hydroxychloroquine, have been dismissed uh, by the scientists. And uh, she's quite rightly concerned uh, that the problem here is if, if it's spread in the community to not respond and look after each other, then that's and in danger, uh, endangers the whole community. The Prime Minister uh, called Mr Kelly into his office, probably at the 11th hour, finally, after a lot of pressure from yourself and others. Uh, and Mr Kelly now seems to have changed his tune somewhat. That's good news. Look, it is good news if it lasts for more than five minutes. But we've been raising this for many, many months. And I'd say this, it also is the case that Craig Kelly is a member of the Parliament's Science Committee. This is someone who doesn't listen to the science when it comes to the pandemic, doesn't listen to the science when it comes to climate change. He's also the chair of the, the joint uh, committee, a very powerful one, on law enforcement. Now, it oversees issues such as the Australian Federal Police. All of us have been horrified by the scenes that we witnessed at the Capitol building in the United States yes. on January 6th, their time. Uh, the idea that this person, who has uh, essentially said that it was no big deal, dismissed it, and uh, one of the five people uh, who were murdered there, who lost their life, uh, was a, a police officer... Uh, I just think it's entirely inappropriate that he continues to hold that position and he should, he should be dismissed by the Prime Minister uh, from that position in particular but also as a member of the Science Committee. 
Yeah, it seems to be at odds. Uh, you know, if you if you're basically only uh, not listening to all of the science in relation to a number of issues, whether it's COVID nineteen or climate change, uh, really we need to have all views considered when it comes to uh, the science on climate change and in particular with dealing with the pandemic and if you're sort of going your own way which is against your chief medical health officer on COVID alone you can just imagine where he's going to go with climate change as the election uh, gets closer. Well I'm all for free speech but what shouldn't come with that is the title that gives that speech more credibility and Craig Kelly holding these parliamentary positions, uh, which are sought after, which in terms of uh, the chair's position uh, is a a paid position that increases his salary, is of real concern. And if the Prime Minister's fair income as well, these posts that are still up on his site as of last night need to be be taken down. Uh, We can't have conspiracy theories uh, being promoted by members of parliament and uh, Mark Butler our shadow health spokesperson has written to Facebook as well saying that uh, just as they have over some of Donald Trump's posts uh, there needs to be a warning uh, put uh, that uh, what is being promoted is just not accurate Well, it's misinformation, uh, and that's a big part of the problem. All right, well, look, I want to move on from that. Uh, And again, it might be a little curly, Anthony, but you're used to it. You've been in this game for long enough. You expect it. Are you at all threatened by Tanya Plibersek? Not at all. Not at all. She's been a friend of mine for a very long period of time, and she will remain so. Some are saying that perhaps yesterday was, uh, I don't know, some sort of... And look, again, some... Sky commentators and others. Look, I'll just say it. Yesterday, you were on uh, 2GB in the afternoon. You spoke to Jim. Nice bloke. All the rest of it was lovely. And then you were... <laughs> the callers... The caller... I don't know whether you heard them afterwards or not, but the callers ripped shreds off you. Uh, I don't know why you go on GB, to be honest. Um, Albo, to be honest, because <laughs> you've got no fans there. But they basically said... I'm happy to talk to anyone. Well, I know that's, you have that's to. That's the important thing. I know you and, have and to. to put, and to put, put my views. Well, true, true. But I would have, I would have loved to have you. I would have loved to have uh, you have been there and answered some of the the questions that were being asked, uh, because they basically threw you under the bus. Uh, you know, they said that, and then. That bloody Credlin came on afterwards and tore strips off you as well. Uh, well no. Peter Credlin was Tony Abbott's chief of staff. Yes, yes. And uh, whilst I actually off air, mm. um, I, I can have a very pleasant conversation with Peter. She plays a role. Yes. Uh, this, this is someone who, after the election, said that uh, they <laughs> said that they lied. They made up stuff. Mm. About our climate change policy, yeah. and that uh, she was she was proud of it. She boasted about that, and someone who uh, just last week had to apologise for making misleading statements about Kevin Rudd. Yep, uh, she had to for legal reasons mm. uh, to apologise uh, on air on Sky. So, look, people uh, know that that's no different from. Uh, having on uh, the chair of South 
who might be critical of the Roosters or yeah. the chair of the Roosters being critical of South. That's, uh, I think people understand what that's about. All right, absolutely. But basically the, the, the thrust of it was that Tanya Plibersek yesterday uh, put on a dress rehearsal for the leadership of the Labor Party. They say, uh, these people say, that she's the front-runner to your job. It's the last chance saloon for somebody like a, like a Plibersek or a Bill Shorten and that they have you on their site. So I'm just putting it out there. I believe it's just total and utter rubbish, to be perfectly honest, but that's just what they do. But then they... Look, sa- after the election, yes. yeah. after the election, everyone had their opportunity yep. uh, to put themselves forward. Right. Uh, I was elected leader of the Labor Party unopposed. That doesn't happen too often, No. let me say, as, as you be aware, Marcus. And uh, that was a, an indication of the broad support that I have uh, within the Labor Party and I, I think that the challenge for us is to not talk about ourselves, yes. but to talk about uh, our alternative plan for government and to hold the government of the day to account. Now, we've been doing that very effectively. And had there not been a full court press uh, from tenure yesterday, but prior to that for a long period of time from Chris Bowen in particular, but myself, from myself, from Richard Miles, from Christina Keneally, from the whole range of our team about Craig Kelly's comments and the need to do something about it, then nothing would have happened. That has shown the fact that the Prime Minister, who on Monday at the National Press Club said that Craig Kelly was doing a great job and refused to distance himself from the comments within two days, He's now had to do that, yep. and that's a credit to the way that uh, my team uh, have been holding the government to account. All right. Well, look, I don't want to uh, delve into this anymore. I'm going to leave it now because as far as I'm concerned, it's all disunity that's being created by, well, LMP hacks like Peter Credle and others who are out to obviously cause as much disharmony as they possibly can. It's a little like the rubbish they all carried on with, with, you know, franking credits and all the the scare campaigns that were run ahead of the last election. So, Albo, I guess the main thing that people are telling me they want to hear from you is policy. When are we going to hear your alternate policies? A lot of your critics say, Anthony, that you are very good at being critical of the Prime Minister. You've always got ScoMo in your sights, and that's what opposition leaders do. Uh, but the Labor faithful out there want to hear policy from you. What are, you know, what are your alternatives to what Indeed. ScoMo and his mob are doing right now? Indeed, they do. And in, in 2020, one of the things that we did was concentrate on the pandemic. And we put forward constructive policy, including wage subsidies, the increase that was needed in uh, unemployment benefits, yep. the need for mental health support, the need for the vaccine uh, to be rolled out once the TGA gave its approval. So all of those, ma- many of which were adopted, were constructive. But at the same time, we've started to roll out our alternative, the move towards universal childcare. Labor's very proud that we created universal healthcare through Medicare, universal superannuation. What we need is universal childcare early childhood education. We know that that would provide massive benefit for individuals and families by making it more affordable, and our plan will make 97% of 
of uh, households will be better off of families. We know also it's good for businesses and good for the economy and good for uh, children because 90, uh, more than 90% of yeah. human brain development occurs in the first five years. So that we had in the budget reply. We also had a future made in Australia. Mm. So making sure that we build things here, making sure that any government contracts, what we have, is uh, Australian apprentices and trainees included in any projects, making sure that we have a national rail manufacturing plan, that we have an Australian Centre for Disease Control, increased funding for public housing so that we deal with the crisis that we have in terms of a lack of social and affordable housing in this country. And next week, I'll be making major announcements about more secure work. I'll be up in Queensland... Uh, talking about uh, those issues. I have a major speech next Wednesday. Yep. Before then as well, I'll be launching our jobs task force for the regions. We'll be doing that in regional Queensland on Sunday and Monday. Yep. And uh, we will continue to roll out policies between now and the next election so that everyone will see clearly what the suite of alternative policies that a Labor government would implement to make the recovery even stronger because we can't just return to what was there. Now, the, the pandemic has revealed how strong our society is in looking after each other, but it's also revealed a number of weaknesses that need to be fixed. Just one more thing, and I look forward to talking to you more on these uh, on these new policies uh, and these announcements next week, Anthony. But before I let you go, and thank you for your time, uh, there will be discussions about uh, what the job seeker payment per day should be. I spoke yesterday to the unions. They tell us that they want it to effectively be what it's sat at during the height of the pandemic, which is effectively twice the old rate of Newstart or the Dole. Uh, Pauline Hansen has been on this program saying she f- believes a figure of around $75 a day is adequate. Others say around $80 a day. What is Labor's policy on JobKeeper? Where would you like to see this figure sit at per day? Well, what we've said is that $40 a day isn't enough. Uh, we want to see what the government does and place pressure on the government because uh, we can't change it until after the next election. If we're successful, we will. If the what will you change act, it to, though, Anthony? If you well, are successful, what will you change it to? We want to see, with announcements like that, we want to see what the budget figures are in May before making definitive statements. Uh, we are going to be very responsible when it comes to budget measures uh, and we'll make sure that all the full costings are out there, which is why we need to see the numbers. But is it fair uh, enough we... to say that, sorry to interrupt you, but is it fair enough to say, Anthony, that it will be above the $40 a day? So you'd be Absolutely. You can't give me a rough figure. I mean, you must have some kind of idea of where the budget may sit. There's no uh, rough I, figure to go by. I, I... I do, Marcus, yeah. and that's why we will we will wait, though, for the budget. We've had our, our discussions about uh, what uh, sort of level it should be at, and we've spoken with groups. I've 
spoken at ACOS's national conference. Yes, I've yep. spoken with a, a range of people and also well, it, our yep. people are out there in electorates mm. talking to people on the ground as well about the pressures that they're under. But let me ask you, if if I was suggest maybe 75 to $80 a day, would that be a figure that you could perhaps look at, uh, at looking I'm, at as I'm being not, obtainable? Marcus, as much as I enjoy speaking on your program, today is not the day for the announcement. All right. uh, we'll, wait. we'll wait for the budget, and we hope that in the budget the government has, or, or beforehand, we, it, they can't afford to drop it down either at the end of March to $40 a day. That will produce real hardship yes. if that occurs. And it's also bad for the economy, by the way, because if you increase uh, new start or the unemployment benefits. Every single dollar is spent in a local shop, a local chemist, uh, a local business, uh, and it circulates around the economy. Yep. All right. Uh, it's always great to have you on. Let's talk again next week. I look forward to hearing more of these policy announcements. Please uh, come to where you'll, you'll be heard and, uh, and and won't be bagged out afterwards. All right. <laughs> Thanks very much, Mark. Good on you. Anthony Albanese, Federal Opposition Leader. What do you make of it? 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you'd like to have you say. Uh, all right. Now, Malcolm Roberts. We might hold Malcolm off if we can till after 8 o'clock. I don't want to rush him this morning. Sorry, Malcolm. My apologies, mate, but I do want to catch up with you as always. Now, the Sydney Harbour Bridge is an absolute mess this morning uh, because of the fact that the Sydney Harbour Tunnel was closed and that's city-bound due to a multi-vehicle crash. Four vehicles apparently were involved in this accident. It happened at around about a quarter to seven now, emergency services were on scene. Uh, there were vehicles in both lane one, lanes one and two. Uh, something were getting slowly passed, but I'm just having a look here. <clears throat> and we'll go to our traffic report in just a moment for my Sydney listeners, but just having a look here, and it's a real mess. I mean, it's way back, this, uh, this traffic at the moment. It's causing some, some really big problems. After this four-vehicle crash at Milsons Point at the Sydney Harbour Tunnel, and you will find extensive delays. Try and take an alternate. It's a bit hard, I know, if you're already, you know, committed to the Baringa Freeway, etc., and Carl Expressway and all the rest of it. Okay, 13 12 69, the telephone number. MP in the morning at 2SM, supernetwork.com, if you would like to have your say. So Malcolm Roberts, uh, we'll touch base with Malcolm just after the 8 o'clock news, a little later than normal, but um, we got Anthony today, and bearing in mind that there's lots to talk about with the possibility of an election later this year, I thought it was good to try and keep him on as long as we could, and I pressed him. I pressed him on this social security issue, and there are more and more stories being available every day about discussion on this issue. And the latest I put up on our social network this morning, and that is the uh, the governor of the Reserve Bank, who this morning has basically come out and said effectively that, look, the old job seeker payment was... Well, sorry, I beg your pardon, the old Newstar payment was simply not enough. Reserve Bank Governor Philip Lowe is back to permanent rise in the dole when the coronavirus supplement is withdrawn next month declaring it a fairness issue. Job seeker currently worth $565.70 a fortnight, but is boosted by a $150 fortnightly add-on that's due to end March 31. 
what is a figure that they should sit at eventually? I'd love to know your thoughts on that this morning as well. Albo couldn't commit to it. He wants to see the budget and all the rest of it, but I did try. Genuine talk on the radio. This is Marcus Paul in the morning. Craig Kelly interrupting Tanya Plibersek. Got a taxpayer-funded nong running around telling people not to. <laughs> he needs to shut up. Did you hear about Professor Clancy? You've got to listen to our, oh, oh, most, oh, oh, our, most, oh, senior, our most senior immunologist. <laughs> what? And the word of the day is nong. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Nong. This guy's a government MP. You have to be held to a higher standard if you're going to sit in the government party room. has to take responsibility for the words that come out of his mouth when they're this far off the reservation that's actually doing harm. We're bringing you all the news and the views. A lawyer faces being disbarred for life after he was caught having <laughs> sex during a virtual court hearing being held on Zoom. <laughs> ah, I mean, I've heard of pro bono, but never before have I heard of pro bono. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, just before we go to Malcolm Roberts, Mary, good morning. Uh, good morning, Marcus. To yes. you and to your listeners. Is Thank you. Coming through, the phone seems to be playing up. Can you hear me properly? I see. Yes, we've got you there. Off you go, please. Okay, dear, it's something to do with this um, New South Alouse or Job Seek or whatever. Is Big Rich coming from Skoma and Frydenberg? The bitches are borrowed money. So is their pay and their perks and the non-stop um, pay increase and all the referrals that they have, like Craig Kelly, all is taxpayers' money. Not if the um, welfare recipient is a bludger, there must be a percentage, but everybody else there needs a hand to be helped out, not to be made fun of or made belittle of. Borrowed money, we know it is, but it's taxpayers' yep. money helping other taxpayers' money, not the riffraff like the Kellys and the Christensen taking trips to um, to Thailand and um stationery and internet, that was all taxpayers' money. That yeah, look, the point is, uh, and and thank you for the point that you've made. I, I get it, Mary. Thank you. I need to move on because Malcolm's been waiting forever. But I'll just quickly say, if we've been able to use taxpayer dollars, borrowed money, to prop up businesses with JobKeeper and Job well, job JobSeeker, uh, certainly, but, I mean, ultimately, uh, if we can claw back more money from those businesses that have done well during COVID-19, those big multinational corporations that pay next to no tax but have been using taxpayer-borrowed money to pay their executive bonuses and all the rest of it and shareholder dividends, then surely, surely we can do better for our unemployed. I mean, we need, uh, you know, to obviously borrow this money. It's not a bottomless pit, I understand that, but Social Security here in Australia is a major benefit, not only for people who are looking for work, but to help keep our economy ticking over. And now on Marcus Paul in the Morning, Senator Malcolm Roberts. Oh, got to you, Malcolm. How are you, sir? Well, thanks. Marcus, how are you? All right, busy program, mate, which we love. Um, (laughs) I don't know whether you heard much of Anthony Albanese on the program. Is he a, as some people say, and again, I'll, I'll pick a line from... Credlin, a dead man walking, quote unquote. I, I don't like uh, talking about other people and I don't like making comments without the facts and without understanding what's really going on. So it's just a, 
an uninformed opinion that you'll get from me, but all I can say is that um, there seem to be a lot of people dissatisfied with Anthony Albanese. Uh, they're clearly dissatisfied with Bill Shorten. And, you know, Joel Fitzgibbon uh, has made that very, very clear. Um, and so there are, we, we know that there are a lot of people in, in the Labor Party in, among MPs who are not happy. All right. Now... The Prime Minister made a crowd-pleasing statement for both sides, a pipe dream, and you basically called him a sellout uh, in relation to this backing of zero net emissions. I mean, let's be honest, though, 2050 is a long, long way away, and he really didn't fully commit, though, did he? No, he didn't. And, and that's, that's the, um, the pedigree of uh, our Prime Minister. It's also the, the uh, trademark of our Prime Minister, um, he's a very, very effective marketing man. He appeared in the parliament with a lump of coal about four years ago, and he's traded off that image for the last five, four years, sorry. And um, he's, he's held that side of his party together. He's also spoken out of the other side of his mouth, much as like Bill Shorten got into trouble in Queensland for talking out of different sides of their mouth. And, and he's pretending to be um, driving down the, the production of carbon dioxide. We can't trust either of the two main parties. They're both selling out jobs. They're both selling out coal miners. They're both selling out our country. They want to penalise coal use in our country, but they both say, let's ship more of it out to overseas countries, give them cheap electricity. That, at their heart, their marketing is about getting elected, and they don't give a bugger about the damage they do to our country. All right, well, you say that zero net emissions by 2050 will basically lead to the deindustrialization of our country and the consequences will be huge. Um, gone will be affordable electricity. Um, we won't make things like steel anymore because, quite simply, we won't have the power uh, to... I guess, to, to push the manufacturing sector along. Correct. You know, uh, Marcus, that's, you, you raise steel. We don't need electricity to make steel unless it's in an arc furnace, but the conventional way of making steel needs coal. Now, people are talking about coal being used in power stations to generate electricity and saying that's terrible. They're not saying anything about coal being used in steel. Coal is essential for steelmaking. Coal, when it's used in steelmaking, produces carbon dioxide. Steel is essential for everything. It's essential for ploughing the ground we grow our crops with, harvesting our crops. It's essential for our transport. Computers are made. Just about everything is made using a steel implement. Steel is essential for our society. And because of that, everyone's quiet. So don't tell anyone. But the same carbon dioxide comes out of steel seems to be okay because no one's talking about it. Carbon dioxide coming out of power station is, is, uh, is demonised and, and it's false. But uh, that, that highlights it. It will be deindustrialization, Marcus, because it's the, the number one driver of the improvement of our standard of living in the last 170 years has been the relentless decrease in electricity prices in real terms and the availability of energy. Mm. In the last 20 years, since John Howard started fiddling with the national electricity market, he has destroyed it. Kevin Rudd put that destruction on steroids. We have reversed that trend of decreasing electricity prices. That's fundamental to productivity. China... India, Asia are continuing that human progress uh, path. We have reversed it. We are crippling ourselves. We'll be back in the caves at this rate. Back in the caves, Michael. Uh, well, mate, we, we, won't have, we won't have electricity. You know, what, what happens now? We have taken for granted the fact that when we have a long day of work, we come home and we flip a switch. Sometimes when you flip a switch now, you don't get it. 
sometimes when you're sweltering in, in a normal summer in Australia, hey, mate, it gets hot in summer, yeah. you want to turn on the air conditioner, but you can't because they've got demand management, which is a really sexy way of saying they want you to get a, a fee for not using electricity. They, they want to cripple us with smart meters that will switch, switch off your appliances when it suits them because there's not enough electricity. This yeah. is insane. That's third world country stuff, mate. All right. Uh, you say over the next 20 years or so we need to build around four to a dozen coal-fired power stations. We need to build modern coal-fired power stations to help manufacturing industries um, and government should also support a new coal-fired power station in the Hunter Valley and you say that One Nation are now the only party in Australia who are pushing coal. Correct. Um, The Labor Party is demonising coal and wants to go to net zero and remove coal-fired power stations altogether, not replace Liddell. The National Party has been embarrassed by their own policies and, and their voters are coming to us. And so what they did was they cooked up a policy. Matt Canavan, Senator Matt Canavan from the Nationals in Queensland, visited Mandalong Mine in the Hunter Valley yeah. and came out of the mine un- from underground with a little bit of dust on his, on his face, made a lovely video demanding a coal-fired power station. What we did was we took his tweets, words exactly, copied and pasted them into a motion, put that motion into Parliament on Tuesday. Yes. The Nationals opposed it. Their own words, they opposed it. We've exposed them as frauds. Now, then, then to um, comply with the Liberal Party's uh, demands, the Nationals kowtowed. So then the Nationals released their uh, manufacturing policy about a week or so ago. At the core of that was a coal-fired power station in the Hunter Valley. Now they've, they're, they're about to put a motion into the Parliament today talking about revitalising manufacturing. But the key page 18 is missing, the coal-fired power station, which is essential for cheap electricity. I mean, this is what happens in this this parliament. Both sides are lying, flat-out lying, to convince one side of their support group they support coal, the other side that they don't support coal. I mean, you can't do that, Marcus. It's, it's, it's flagrant. It's, it's completely nonsense. It's, t- it's treating the voters as mugs. It's treating our country disrespectfully and dishonestly, both major parties. All right. Always good to have you on the program, Malcolm. We'll catch up again soon. And, and thanks for uh, being a little later today for us. Appreciate it. Oh, no, you're, you're welcome, mate. All right. There he is, Malcolm Roberts, One Nation Senator. Uh, After the break, uh, we're going to talk about cancer. Today is World Cancer Day, and we're being urged to seek health information from credible sources following the release of new research. I'm going to catch up with Megan Varlow, who's the Director of the Cancer Control Policy at the Cancer Council. She'll be on the program in just a couple of moments. It's now 19 after 8. Marcus Paul in the morning for my Sydney listeners. Got some details now on the Sydney Harbour Tunnel closure. All right, welcome back. 22 and a half minutes after 8 o'clock. Uh, earlier on, we had a number of callers uh, and an email suggesting that uh, maybe Anthony Albanese needs to channel his inner Paul Keating. And I was reminded of some of the best liners from PJK. You're so macho. Twice you've had a chance to take the opposition leadership. 
the first time you rang your friend next to you and offered it to him. This, this time you sat overseas while John got it from Hawk's Nest. <laughs> now, when I told our caucus last year that you were a low-altitude flyer, oh, I was right, wasn't I? I asked the Prime Minister, if you are so confident about your view of fight back, why won't you call an early election? Because, mate, because, uh, because order. order. The, the answer is, mate, mate, because I want to do you slowly. <laughs> I want to do you slowly. <laughs> See, where are these Labor characters? Where have they gone, these Labor characters like Hawkey, Keating, etc.? Where are they? Uh, Albo, he's, I like Anthony, as you know. Absolutely, I do. Uh, and I, I just want to hear more policy. Look, if he can't pull off a, a PJK, let's be honest, not many could. Keating was one of a kind. At least outline more policy. And we've invited him onto the program to do it. I pushed and pushed today to try and get a figure out of him as to where Labor thinks that the job seeker payment should sit per week. We tried. Anyway, next week he's promised there'll be some uh, policy stub substance in the announcements that he makes. Let's hope so. Let's go on. It is the morning and the radio is on. I'm yawning, going up the dial from all the boring. Get on up. Where two SM is calling. Hello, hello. Marcus Paul on the radio. Tell me things that I want to know. In the news and the views. And it's true. Okay, 25 minutes after eight. Look, today is World Cancer Day. Australians are being urged to seek health info from credible sources. There's been a release of a report that still says that common cancer myths are still rife within our community, particularly myths around alternative therapies, skin cancer and the safety of sunscreen. Megan Varlow is from the Cancer Council. Uh, she's the director of their policy. Megan, good morning. Morning, Marcus. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, look, I read through your report this morning. I can't believe that nearly half of Australians believe sunscreen contains chemicals that are bad for us. That's right, Marcus, and it really is concerning because we know that in Australia we have some of the highest rates of skin cancer in the world, and so if there are people out there who are not wearing sunscreen and not protecting their skin from the sun, it's leading to really serious consequences. The other one, too, in relation to skin cancer, um, just under 9% of Australians don't realise you can get skin cancer even if you don't burn. I mean, the harmful UV rays can cause cancer even if you don't turn red like a beetroot. Exactly, and a lot of the damage that we do to our skin is cumulative, so it's that little bit too much every day rather than the giant sunburn that you might get on the weekends and so if people are not thinking about protecting their sun each and every day in Australia we know that almost particularly in Sydney 
the summer months, autumn and most of spring, any time of in that period, you really need to be protecting your skin from the sun. It's not okay to be wandering around without sunscreen, without a hat, those sorts of things. No, absolutely. Uh, look, some of the other findings in your data, two in three or 67% of Australians agree that animals can sniff out cancer. What? So it, it is an interesting one and it's something that work has been done. We know that there are... Um, different ways that animals' um, olfactory sensors can work. And so there is really potential there. But at the moment, the best way to detect cancer early is to participate in the cancer screening program and to pay attention to any changes that you might see in your body. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 40% of us believe that alternative therapies can cure cancer. Now, that is that is a big concern, if you like. There are no miracle cures or, I don't know, rub two sticks together and, and put a piece of uh, barley around your, your forehead and you'll be fine. There's none of that that's available. No, and we completely understand that people would like to find those things that are going to cure their cancer. And it's not about stopping looking for them, but it is about sitting back and saying, so what has been proven? Where is the evidence? And what is going to actually treat my cancer right now? And so we know that in Australia, um, all of our medicines, all of our products actually from sunscreens right the way through to modern chemotherapy have been really rigorously tested and that if they're available, our doctors are not ignoring possible options. They're providing us with the best evidence-based information and treatment that is available to us in the world. Megan, uh, people affected by cancer are particularly vulnerable and we know that misinformation in cancer is rife and of course it is in part due to people looking to sell products or miracle cures. You need to be very careful of the snake oil salesman because, you know, cancer kills and people are very, you know, concerned about their longevity. They're concerned that they need to, you know, live a a longer life with their loved ones uh, and they are taken advantage of in, unfortunately, a number of cases. That's right. And we hear some really unfortunate stories. And so the issue that we're talking about today on World Cancer Day is really about checking that source and making sure that it's not someone trying to swindle you out of lots of money and sell you some sort of miracle cure but that it's a really reputable source so we unfortunately found about 20% of people um, said that they're likely to change their behavior based on something that they read online and the same sort of number based on government information and we know that in Australia we do have a trustworthy government who provides us with um, that evidence-based information and so when you're reading something on Facebook or clicking through from Mm -hmm. something on Instagram it's important to think about the source is it someone trying to sell you something or is it a really um, evidence-based health solid information all right Megan always great to have you on the program what's quickly what's the address for the Cancer Council so it's cancer.org.au take care thanks Megan Thanks, Marcus. Now on Marcus Paul in the Morning. The Queen Bee of the Newsroom, Diane Coveney-Garland. Okay, welcome back. 22 minutes away from Lawsy at 9 o'clock. We'll go to Canberra soon with Christina in the capital. But, uh, Dizzy, hello. Hello. You uh, got to play reporter yesterday. You're I did, live at the scene. What yes. happened? Tell well, me. Well, I was dropping my daughter off at the spotlight at Mount Druitt to have a look around. <laughs> yeah. And I came... 
came past. First of all, I heard helicopters as I was driving, mm-hmm. and then I came along, and there were police and ambulance and fire engines everywhere. And I thought, hmm, okay. So I parked the car and came back down. So what had happened is uh, a man was driving through the actual drive-through of yeah. McDonald's at Mount Druitt, mm-hmm. and he was meant to, you know, you go through the drive-through, you're meant to turn the corner. Well, apparently he's had a medical incident at the yes. wheel and was on a lost control. So at speed, has gone through the fence, through a hedge, across the road, and it's a fairly busy road. Yeah, which um, road was it? So it's um, Zoe Place, leads up to the shopping centre, oh, yep, but yep, alongside yep. Uh, Luxford Road. Luxford, that's the big yeah, one. Yeah, so that's there. the big one. Yeah. So, um, And it was pretty busy at that time of the afternoon. And then it's luckily uh, missed a few workmen who were um, working on a big um, apartment block, which is in the process of being built, yep. and then became uh, stuck under the scaffolding in at that apartment building. So wow. luckily um, I spoke to a young chap who was working at another takeaway outlet across the road yeah. um, and he said he didn't actually see it but he heard what happened and they tried to get the driver out but he was trapped. So oh. they had to um, – anyway, um, the – the driver had his teenage son in the car. He was okay. He had a few cuts and bruises and things like that and was treated. Uh, but it was really good to see the, the community spirit that these these people were actually at work and they heard this happen, ran out, called triple zero. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was a, a bit of a mess. And uh, he's very lucky um, that it, it wasn't worse and also very lucky that they didn't hit other cars or pedestrians because it was right at the time of school finishing as well. Absolutely. Hmm. Oh, boy, oh, boy. It's very, like, exciting but not in a good way. You no, know? but uh, look, yeah. you were there. Johnny on the spot. I heard your report yesterday in the news. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Uh, getting those journalistic juices flowing. We love it. Oh, don't we what? Absolutely. <laughs> Listen, uh, this sto- other story, this bizarre story of these, of these women allegedly kidnapping oh. another other woman um, then allegedly stabbing her, putting her in the boot of a car and heading toward Belanglo State Forest. That is very scary. Uh, Do you know, I said to someone in the newsroom, I said, amazing that she kicked out the the taillight and one of the girls turned around and went, well, that's what they say you should do in that situation. But I've never thought about, like, what if I was stuck in the boot of a car, what would I do? Uh, well, haven't you watched any of those movies? Oh, yeah, I have, I have, yeah. but, you know, I'd never thought about it. But, like, incredible that she was able to uh, do that and get a handout and then motorists were, I think, a truck driver yeah. and, and other motorists saw what was going on and called police. Mm. And that was right near Berrima where we went camping last weekend too. So, I I mean, beautiful spot, but a terrible thing to happen. Well, I mean, we've got to be careful. It's before Picton Local Court Mm. today. Both of these young women face a raft of charges. This Latia Henderson... Uh, well, Latia herself, I mean, she's she looks like she is a bit of an influencer, if you like, or an Instagram model. Very pretty young girl, but she's in a, a world of trouble. She was believed to have been driving the vehicle. It's alleged that drugs were found inside the vehicle as well. Uh, she wasn't apparently allowed to even drive. So uh, her accomplice, allegedly, is a Kalia Kil- uh, Ketley. So Latia is 18 and Kaylee is 24. They were both arrested after this other teenage girl, this 18-year-old, was found stabbed in the boot of a car. Mm. What the, they're all from Campbelltown. What the hell's going on? I don't know. Very, very intriguing. And also, they say that the young woman who was allegedly uh, in the boot of the car had mm. just come back from somewhere interstate 
Sounds very intriguing. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Very All odd. right, scary though, and it, it is. It's it awful is. To, yep. to to think that this is happening in you know in Sydney, in the outer suburbs of Sydney in 2021. Mm, terrifying. All right, Daisy, we'll hear you uh, during the Lawsy Show reading the news. Thank you again. Thank you, Diane Coveney Garland, the Queen Bee of our newsroom. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, we'll go to Canberra in just a few moments. It's 17 minutes away from nine. We've, we've been telling you about this wonderful mob. They're called Chili Pip, and they design lounges. Please, if you're in the market for a new lounge, why don't you give them a hoy? A comfortable new lounge made and delivered in three to four weeks is what you'll get from Chili Pip Lounge Designs. They are Sydney's favourite lounge manufacturer. You can sit back. Unwind and relax in your Chili Pip Lounge, custom made to suit your needs and reflect your lifestyle. At Chili Pip Lounge Designs, you can choose from a wide selection of styles available in fabric or leather, and they say that anything is possible. Your Chili Pip Lounge is made for you the way you want it, brand new. Whether you're watching a movie, having a laugh with friends, or cuddling with someone special, Net, uh, what is it? Netflix and Chill. I'll explain it to you later, Scruff. You will love spending time on your Chili Pip Lounge. Mention you heard about it here, and you know what? They'll throw in free fabric protection with your order. Valued at 300 bucks. Home is where your Chili Pip Lounge is. Go to Chili Pip, that's C-H-I-L-L-I-P-I-P dot com dot A-U. Chili Pip. Give them a call. They're not lovely people. We've had them here in the station. Uh, they're, they're brand new advertisers here on 2SM and the Super Radio Network. You can telephone them 1300 79 75 16. 1300 79 75 16. If you want a link to their website, it's up on our Facebook page, Marcus Paul in the Morning. Now on Marcus Paul in the Morning. I have always believed in miracles. The latest from the capital. Canberra. With Christina Rosengrand. All right, Christina, good morning. Good morning, Marcus. All right, PM Scott Morrison has defended against claims he took too long to rebuke Liberal backbencher Craig Kelly. Yes, Craig Kelly has been very much in the spotlight this week uh, following widespread criticism of the type of information he's been posting to social media. Uh, he's been promoting unproven COVID therapies and challenged mask, mask use, and he's also appeared in a podcast hosted by an anti-vaxxer. Uh, so there's been uh, a bit of concern that he's undermining the government's COVID-19 health advice at a time when it's you know, really important to get the right information to people. And, of course, uh, as we spoke about yesterday, this yeah. debate uh, culminated in a confrontation between Mr Kelly and Labor frontbencher Tanya Plibersek in the halls of the press gallery here in Parliament House, uh, which garnered a lot of media coverage. Now, uh, prior to this week, Prime Minister Scott Morrison refused to publicly censure Mr Kelly. Uh, in fact, no government member condemned him. Uh, but there's been a bit of pressure from the opposition for the government to address this. And yesterday, Mr Morrison did tell Parliament that he had uh, made his position clear to Mr Kelly. He says that they have opposing views on this and that they had a discussion about this. And then last night, Prime Minister, the Prime Minister took to a Facebook Live interview with News Corp, and he was asked why it took him so long to order Mr Kelly to stop spreading this misinformation. And uh, Mr Morrison said he didn't see any reason to draw awareness to the post prior now, uh, but that the issue had escalated. And he also tried to play down Mr Kelly's social reach by saying there's lot of information on Facebook. Yeah. Now, uh, Mr. Kelly hasn't taken his posts down, but he has released a statement in which he says uh, he su- 
supports the government's vaccine rollout. Uh, so backing down a little bit, but, you know, you have to remember... Well, why that, doesn't uh, he put a post up about that then? The bloke is a joke. It's take them down... Or get out of Parliament, for God's sake. The government is considering its options to assist businesses with the end of JobKeeper nearing, Christina. Yes, so uh, Treasury appears to be looking at sort of different ways to help industries affected by ongoing restrictions. And News Corp is reporting uh, one of the things that's being considered is a hex-style loan program. So that would allow uh, pandemic-affected businesses to borrow money, which would then be repaid once their revenue returns. So uh, Treasury has reportedly been meeting with a few experts to consider the merits of such a system, but it hasn't confirmed it's actually being considered. Uh, of course, extending you know support to hard-hit industries, especially you know tourism and hospitality, that's been one of the major talking points recently, and there's yeah. been a lot of calls to extend JobKeeper, job especially from the opposition. We did hear from Reserve Bank Governor Phil Lowe yesterday. He gave a speech to the National Press Club, and in that he said that he supported the government's decision to end JobKeeper as planned, uh, he says there will be some job shedding once that support is withdrawn, but he claims it will come in the context of an economy that is otherwise recovering and he expects job creation to continue. Uh, so uh, the RBA governor, they're really sort of supporting the government's position, but the government is considering you know, other options. All right, uh, Industry Super Australia, Christina, are warning people could lose their house in retirement if the government scraps the increase to the superannuation guarantee. Yes, so Industry Super Australia, that's the country's largest superannuation lobby group, it's launching this new uh, digital advertising campaign and it's basically to put pressure on the government to not abandon a legislated rise in the superannuation guarantee. Now, as we've spoken about before, the guarantee is the percentage amount employers have to contribute to their workers' retirement savings and that's currently at 9.5%. It's in legislation at the moment that that will increase to 10% in July and uh, keep increasing until it hits 12% in 2025. But the Morrison government is considering scrapping that increase or winding it back over fears it could put downward pressure on wages growth. Uh, but on the other side of the coin, workers need the higher rate for an adequate retirement, and industry super is on that side of the argument. So it's launching this marketing blitz uh, online aimed at under 35-year-olds and pre-retirees and saying that if this increase is abandoned, that uh, the average couple will, could be $170,000 or have $170,000 less than their retirement savings, uh, which could lead them to sell their home to fund their retirement. And it also claims that dumping the increase could add $33 billion to the cost of the aged pension by 2058. Yeah. Uh, so this is their first major negative campaign from the industry sector, and it's you know setting up a bit of a battle over this super guarantee. Christina, great to hear from you. Uh, look forward to hearing your reports. No doubt it'll be another busy day in the nation's capital. Thank you. Thank you. Christina in the capital, Marcus Paul in the morning. It's now 7 to 9. Lawsy in from 9 o'clock. Uh, David, good morning, mate. The son says, Dad, yeah. will you do my maths homework for me tonight? Hmm. Dad says, no, son, it wouldn't be right. Son says, well, just do your best. That's it. Just do your best. Uh, <laughs> took me a second. Marcus Paul in the morning. Give Marcus a call. 13 12 69. It took me as, It wouldn't be right. It took me a second. I'm sorry. Alrighty, 13 12 69. Uh, Laws in from 9 o'clock. You can start dialing through for the Law Show if you like. Um, the number for John, of course, 1300 564652. You can send an email to at thefortress at johnlaws.com.au or maybe send him a text 0458 049 209.
Give us a trial. Marcus Paul in the morning. Alrighty, that's it for us today. Thank you for being a part of the program, for making us a part of your morning. The Law Show is next. Mostly fine, a little warm to hot for Sydney today. Maybe a shower or two for our listeners in the central west around Orange and up on the mid-north coast a little later this afternoon. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow first at five.